And welcome back to Harry Potter and the Reread Podcast. I'm your host, David Jansen, joined, as always, by co-host, Kyle Jans. Kyle, how are you? I'm in a cause for celebration because we did it. Today is the day that we have finished Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We finished the fourth book. We're going to review those chapters today. Awesome. I always remember this book being huge, and it was great. It was great. It was. And last time we talked about maybe we'll do one episode, maybe we'll do two, two. Well, we read them both. And there's a lot of words, but maybe not a lot of actual content. So we're going to try. No, we're not going to try. We're going to do all one episode. And if it's long, enjoy a really long one. Exactly. Um, Yeah, we've got, we're going to do the final two chapters here of the book. We got chapter 36, The Parting of Ways, and then chapter 37, which is the final chapter of the book, The Beginning. So we're going to go through those real quick. We're going to go through our overall thoughts on the book, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, and really just kind of cap this off with a nice little bow on top because we've done it. We're finished the fourth of seven of these Harry Potter books. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, let's just, let's just start and get right into it. And then we'll, you know, let's gush about the book once we're done. We have a lot to unpack here in chapter 36. It's called the parting of ways. So sit back and relax because there's a a lot that has been unveiled. Um, Basically at this point now, uh, Dumbledore has revealed some orders after Barty Crouch's basically given his his guilty plea through the veritasetum uh veritaserum uh truth telling potion so dumbledore tells mcgonagall to keep an eye on barty crouch he tells snape to arrange for the real mad eye moody to go to the hospital wing and then alert minister fudge as he will want to interrogate barty uh dumbledore and harry they go to his office where sirius is awaiting him and harry recounts what or uh, recounts basically or accounts for what just occurred telling them in detail what happened so he tells them everything and describes how wormtail used some blood from harry's arm to revive voldemort and it's noted at this point that for a brief moment dumbledore had a gleam of triumph in his eyes uh dumbledore explains what, what the priori incantatum was that occurred and how brother wands are not effective against each other uh wands with the same core from the same animal will connect and then force one of the wands to essentially regurgitate its last used spells so that meant that the people coming out of voldemort's wands were not ghosts but rather the spirits or shadows of the people that he had most recently killed dumbledore also reveals in it that phoenix that the phoenix that provided the tail feathers for those two wands was actually fox dumbledore's uh phoenix olivander had written to dumbledore shortly after harry received his wand in the first book to inform him of that ongoing development Harry, though, he's struggling to continue his story, uh, but he's helped by the presence of Fox, who also cries on his wound and uh, heals his spider wounds. Dumbledore praises Harry for showing bravery beyond what is expected of him and how he matches the bravery of those who battled Voldemort at the height of his power. The three of them head to the hospital wing. Sirius is back in dog form, and they meet Mrs. Weasley, Bill, Hermione, and Ron. Dumbledore tells them Harry must sleep. They are not to ask him any questions about what he has been through tonight because he's been through a lot. And the dog is to stay by Harry's side for this evening. He's very well trained. 
Harry takes the potion for a dreamless sleep and he dozes off only to be awoken by arguing a few hours later. Soon he's awake as the people arguing make their way into the hospital wing. It's uh, Minister for Magic Cornelius Fudge, Professor McGonagall, Professor Snape, and McGonagall is furious and with Fudge and demanding, and Fudge is demanding to speak with Dumbledore. Dumbledore is also appears and is wondering why McGonagall isn't watching over Verdi Crouch like he had assigned. Fudge, though, he reveals that he brought a Dementor to Hogwarts and it provided the final kiss or the last kitch to bar- kiss to Barty Crouch and sucked away his soul. Crouch thinks it is no loss, but Dumbledore says that they needed his testimony to prove that Voldemort was rising back to power. Crouch is in denial that Voldemort's back and uh, says that Harry's not really a reliable narrator or reliable source, considering that he's succumbing to hallucinations, which was initially written about by Rita Skeeter. Dumbledore says that Fudge must act now. He must remove the Dementors from Azkaban and create an alliance with the Giants before Voldemort does so first. If he acts now, they have a chance to fight back, but if he doesn't, Voldemort will rise to power once again. Fudge, though, he's more concerned about what these decisions would mean for his popularity and his re-election. He refuses to believe that Voldemort is coming back to power. Dumbledore says then they must respectfully part ways if he and the ministry refuse to do something about this. Snape shows Fudge his dark mark that is on his arm and shows that it is darkening, but this still does little to convince Fudge. Fudge instead gives Harry his winnings for the tournament and leaves. Dumbledore begins providing some more tasks to everyone. He wants Bill and Mrs. Weasley to get to Arthur and have him work quietly within the ministry to get others on their side. He asks McGonagall to go get Hagrid and Madame Maxime and send them to his office. He sends Madame Pomfrey to Winky and asks her to get her back to the elf kitchen and to Dobby. And then he asks Sirius to return to his human form, which reveals himself to Mrs. Weasley and Snape that he is actually alive and well and has been working with Dumbledore. Snape and Sirius, they reluctantly shake hands and agree to work with one another despite their hatred for each other. Dumbledore tells Snape that he must recruit the old crowd. This is Sirius. He must uh, recruit the likes of McDonough's Fletcher, Lupin, Arabella Fig, and then lay low at Lupin's until further instruction. Then he tells Snape that he must resume a task that they had previously discussed. They all depart, and Harry says that he wants to give his winnings to Cedric's family. He takes the last of his sleep potion and receives a warm hug from Mrs. Weasley. As he's dozing off, though, there's this slamming sound made by Hermione, who apologizes and seems to have something clasped around her hand. Then Harry falls back asleep chapter end it's a lot it's a lot, a lot i feel of, like i just listed off a lot of stuff a lot of stuff but really truly i think there's only one thing we really need to get into here and that's dumbledore versus fudge yeah so basically what it boils down to i think really is that dumbledore has fudge like pegged for exactly who he is he 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 being fudge realizes that if he does the things that dumbledore is suggesting People aren't going to like it, and he might lose his job. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore is suggesting that that doesn't matter because if you don't do it, Voldemort's going to come back stronger. And Fudge, I don't know if it's a lack of belief or pretending not to believe. 
or just being unwilling to accept the possibility but he he and i don't i don't think he believes here's what here's what i'm trying to get to i don't think he believes that voldemort's back and he wants to pretend to do nothing i think he is in denial he is in denial i think especially there's a little passage right after snape shows them the dark mark and how it's been glowing again he says something kind of disbelievably like oh that this can't be real this this can't be happening so i think deep down he knows but ultimately but he doesn't have access to that to that ability no it's his public image his persona it's his notoriety essentially of wanting to remain minister for magic and try and sweep this under the rug as as best as he can but ultimately like this is a huge shift in setting up the rest of the book and the rest of the story I think basically like when I read these books I think of you know, Harry faces like a monster of the day or a monster of the week in each book. And it all kind of resolves up nicely. This one, this book does not. I think this is the first time we have a real cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, Or even the last book, Sirius got away and that, yeah, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but he's safe here. We have a a big cliffhanger. Um, What's interesting about what Barty does here is in, in sort of tying into does he really know or, or what it is? But I think, like you said, subconsciously he knows. And so subconsciously he knows that if Barty Crouch is not available anymore, he can't reveal the truth. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really even question him because if he had questioned him, he could have told him what Harry was saying is true. Or maybe he did question him, but he still is unwilling. But now he can't tell anyone else. Do you think that he brought the Dementor in to give the kiss to Barty for the intention of helping himself protect the narrative? Or do you think he just did it without really thinking? I think, I think subconsciously. So I think if you are accepting that subconsciously, he knows Voldemort's back, but he's afraid to admit it. Mm -hmm. Then this is another subconscious decision that, um, it's pretty self-serving. Yeah. Right. No, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't know that he went and been like, I'm going to, oh, he might reveal. So I better give him the kiss. But I think what he's deep down, he's like, we can't let him tell people this. Yeah. I just, I thought it was interesting because like he kills him or gives him the kiss before any of this information about Voldemort is revealed. And once Dumbledore brings up Voldemort again, he he acts almost surprised. So it made me think that he must not have thought that that was even an option. But I guess right. ultimately, like, here's the thing. If you're the Minister for Magic and you have a Death Eater who has escaped from Azkaban, you don't want that out in public. You no. don't want to have to answer for that regardless. I think so. I, I think it's all just, it was it was cleaner. And to him, there's no downside because as we see, he's looking to, he's looking to tell people that Voldemort's not back. Mm -hmm. I know that we can peg, we've tried pegging or like 
the rise of Voldemort on one particular character, who who's responsible for it, right? Like, obviously, it's a lot of chain of events that happened. Right. Barty, Barty Crouch Sr. being one of them who led his, who basically bailed his son out of prison. But I'd right. say that this moment here with Fudge having the denial and actually just going for the Dementor's kiss right away on Barty Crouch Jr., that is just as responsible for helping Voldemort kind of rise up yeah. to power. Yeah. It's such so a think, chain reaction of everything. So yeah, without Barty Crouch Sr. breaking Jr. out of Azkaban, Voldemort, Voldemort never gets Harry Potter, <laughs> but he still comes back because Wormtail is still there. So I mean, at the end of the day, if Harry lets them kill Wormtail, Wormtail doesn't go there, but that doesn't mean some other servant doesn't find him someday. Yeah. It feels like with this spell, he was always coming back. So there was no way, all you could have done, all these characters could have done is potentially delay it. Yeah. Um, so let's, if we assume he's coming back, no matter what, what Fudge does here is Fudge like gives him like a boost in, in how he's going to regain his power. It speeds it up for sure. Because the thing here is that, and we'll get into this a ton in the next book, obviously, is nobody believes it. Nobody believes it. So he gets to operate in darkness. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore laid everything out. He's going to get the Dementors on his side. And then he's going to get all his pals out of Azkaban. Guess yeah. what happens? That. He's going to yeah. go after the Giants. Guess what happens? He does. It's Dumbledore explains exactly what's going to happen. And Fudge just... He doesn't want to cover his ass because covering his ass could hurt his political state. Yeah. And ultimately it's, it's very clear. Fudge makes it clear that if he's against him, then if, if Dumbledore is against him, then he's against the ministry from now on. Like it's very clear that there are two separate paths that Dumbledore and the army will be taking and, and the ministry will be taking. And this is such a, turning point or really where it all begins going forward because there's such an emphasis put on how the ministry treat harry and dumbledore and so many of the other characters and even the operation of hogwarts in future books from here on yeah yeah absolutely it's it all started in this um hospital wing is that where they are yeah yeah they're in the the hospital hospital wing wing. (laughs) all started in the hospital wing and just somebody's failure to not even accept the truth, but to um, accept the possibility that it's true. Yeah. Right. Because even if he doesn't believe it, it's fine. You think any responsible maybe like, take, figure may, of... Maybe take some of the steps. Even if he just went to the Giants, mm. there's something there. Yeah. Or that we or already just knew, explore we already, more. But we already knew that Fudge doesn't like Giants. We, had, we had overheard that conversation. That's before. true. Yeah, that um, is true. And I think what we are really seeing here is that the Ministry of Magic is not a democratic government in the way that we think about it. The minister has a lot of power. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily seem like um, there's a, like, if it's like a city government, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, like, city councillors. It seems like it's a lot of just the minister. Yeah, I mean... Probably what he did in regards to just killing Barty Crouch without any type of interrogation is probably super illegal. Um, but like up not. until up until this point, like 
the way I think that Harry or the book reader sees the ministry is like, okay, maybe a little incompetent, but meaning for the greater good or wanting the greater good, right? But you detract from that in this book and will detract even more, a lot more in the future books where Harry, I think, starts to become more more wary of what they are and what they stand for and who they represent and what they what the greater good for them actually means so well it's funny you word it like that because um grindelwald's um whole motto is for the greater good right that's Mm -hmm. that's his we're gonna that's his line to double doors we're gonna do this because it's for the greater good so that's never a great line it always it always seems to backfire and clearly clearly this did um interesting in a chapter where it's just a lot of guys talking back and forth and one of them being an idiot and one of them not i forgot a bunch of stuff from this chapter we literally talked about what happens to Barty crouch maybe last week yeah um, and i still forgot what was going to happen to him <laughs> surprised me was not ready for it um I also forgot that Dumbledore basically lays out exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and then it does. Um, and then I had forgotten the reveal of Sirius Black to Severus and Molly Weasley. Um, just kind of a fun little scene at the end of it there. Um, but I guess, yeah, people don't know that Sirius Black is a good guy other than Dumbledore, the kids, Lupin. Nobody else knows. Yet. It's true. It's a very vi- veiled secret. The only thing I'd add to that is I totally had forgotten that it was actually Dumbledore's Phoenix Fox who gave the feathers to Harry and Voldemort's wands. I thought that that was an interesting tidbit. Yes, that's key. That's um, uh, that's definitely a key, a key piece of information. Um, not necessarily particularly important, but it's it's fun. I, I like to see that connection between the three of them. Um. Uh, In terms of things that don't make sense, like it's just fudge, like fudge's thought process, like to not even consider it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I, f- I found another error in the book on page 606. Um, how they're just talking about the shadows that emerged from the Priorian Cantatum. And they say how the shadow of Harry's father had told him what to do, but it was actually, well, incorrectly stated to be Harry's mother. So the chapter of the version that we read reveals it as Harry's mother telling him what to do by breaking the the cantatum and running and grabbing the body and everything. Mm-hmm. And in here it's stated to be his father, which I think no, was previous. It was his father. Was it? I don't think so. I think it was Lily. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um I'm sure yeah. it's been corrected since, but yeah, it's it's probably because we talked about it when we read that chapter that they changed the order that they came out to. So I think there was just some. I remember reading that now actually, and thinking it was his father, and then rereading it, being like, "Did his mom never come out?" And no, you're right, it was her. Yeah, it was her. So they probably cleared that up a little bit. Anything else you want to touch on in this chapter? The there's a gleam of triumph in Dumbledore's well, eyes when yeah, Harry so, mentions that. So. That's a nice transition because that's the quote I wrote down. I actually wrote down two quotes, but that's the first one. I'll, I'll read the exact quote for um, transparency here. Yeah, so this quote was Harry was showing his arm and explaining that Voldemort had used his blood to come back. Um, 
And so for a fleeting instant, Harry thought he seemed, saw a gleam of something like triumph in Dumbledore's eyes. So I have a couple thoughts, but I, I'm interested in yours first as to what you think this means. I have to assume, like, we know that he has Lily's protection with him. And I think that's something that runs through him. So I'm assuming that because of that, now it is within Lily. So that protection is still there and it will always run through Voldemort. So that's interesting. It's not where I was going. My initial thought was this confirmed the Horcrux theory that Mm. um, Voldemort had. But I just did a quick Googling and I came across an interesting um, theory that what Dumbledore just realized is that Harry doesn't have to die at the end now. Mm. So before, so basically this theory assumes that he already had confirmed the Horcruxes, which is possible. I, I, I do see that being a possibility because I think the the diary really... Um, I think that's when he started having the right. suspicions for sure. Right. Um, and so what he's thinking here is he th- believes Harry is a Horcrux. Um, and in order to finally defeat him, you have to destroy all the Horcruxes. But what he's believing now is that because... Voldemort took Harry's blood to come back. There's going to be a way for Harry to survive. It's not okay. fully because he he basically tethered their two lives together again. Yeah, right. And and we know the prophecy, which we're going to get into next book about all of that. So I think I like this theory better than you know he just revealed that the Horcruxes are confirmed because we you know he's not really confirmed because we still have to do the whole Slughorn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like this because this also means that Dumbledore wasn't just raising him to die the whole time where he was hoping he wouldn't have to. And now he believes he won't have to. And it just sort of changes the view that you can have on it. Cause if you go through the next three books thinking Harry's going to die and Dumbledore knows it. And he's like, then Dumbledore comes across very differently. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's, uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. That's kind of like, I've just been playing The Last of Us lately, and that's kind of the first uh, episode or the first uh, game. That's what it's all about, just kind of raising someone to and helping them through just to die in the end or preventing that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, only other little thoughts that I had were um, just a, a few of the tasks. Like, we know that Hagrid and Madame Maxime are going to go and, talk to the giants yeah Yeah, we know we know Sirius is recruiting the order I'm assuming Snape's mission is that he's going back undercover yeah so 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 we'll touch on it a bit in the next chapter Harry thinks about what could Snape's mission be and he essentially thinks is he going to try and sell that he's still a spy and Mm -hmm. that and that is confirmed way way later in, in this in the Snape memory bank Mm-hmm. Um, but that is that is what it is yeah and then the only other thing mrs fig is mentioned which i i liked harry's yes. uh squib neighbor who but harry didn't is part harry, of the order harry, harry didn't, didn't no harry, harry doesn't didn't. put that together yet no. but we do but we do uh so i i did mention i had we went through one of my quotes but i had another one and this is a quote uh about mcgonagall 
as she's entering after the whole Dementor's Kiss situation. There were angry blotches of color in her cheeks. Her hands were balled into fists. She was trembling with fury. And I liked this quote because it's similar to what we took from Dumbledore in the last chapter or the chapter before, where he's just described as like pure rage. And you yep. don't see that from these characters. And it's just really striking. I liked that one too. I think even a little bit later on, and they say like she's shaking with fury, but then yet when she puts her wand out, it's still still. I, I really mm-hmm. liked that. Yeah. Um, I had two Dumbledore quotes because he is exceptional this chapter. Yep. Um, again, they, he's talking about the stakes for Fudge after he's telling him that he's got to remove the Dementors from Azkaban and envoy with to the giants so these things that would make him very unpopular but he says take these steps i have suggested and you will be remembered in office and out as one of the bravest and greatest ministers for magic we have ever known fail to act in history will remember you as the man who stepped aside and allowed voldemort a second chance to destroy the world we have tried to rebuild i think there's going to be a lot of um a lot of this, it's even in the next chapter, there's a Dumbledore quote about it, but it's really a general theme in the book that the easiest path is not the correct path to take. So I really liked that. And then basically, I've touched on it before, but this is the real divide between these two factions here. Uh, so Dumbledore to Fudge after uh, Dumbledore says that he has worked after he says Dumbledore is essentially working against him, him being Fudge. Dumbledore replies, the only one against whom I intend to work against is Lord Voldemort. If you are against him, then we remain Cornelius on the same side. Like it's such simple logic and just, but it's such an undertone of threat. Yeah. Um, So yes, I I also quite like that. All right. LVP MVP conversations are going to be very quick. Uh, As always, in any chapter he appears, he's always the front runner. But but fudge is the fudge is the fudge is the correct the choice. Yeah. I don't really think we have to talk too much more about we it. We just talked about it for 10 minutes. Yeah, it's fudge. And then on the flip side, Dumbledore handles this so well. The way he handles the situation, the way he kind of takes action and tells people where they need to be, what they need to do next, and then just handling fudge so eloquently and underhandedly yeah efficient like it, it's yeah. brilliant I, w- I would say the only thing is he doesn't really handle fudge well because he doesn't convince him but it's still Dumbledore the yeah. only other person like you can think about Harry Harry did some good stuff here you can think about Hermione for what she does at the very end but I think we hold off on that mm-hmm. um which into the next chapter which is the final chapter of the book uh awkwardly named the beginning the beginning yes so Harry doesn't have much memory really about the details of what has sort of happened over the next month. There's still a month left of school for some reason. Um, so he did have a conversation with the Diggories explaining what happened, but they wouldn't take his gold. Um, and Dumbledore basically says, everybody leave Harry alone. Um, Mrs. Weasley had gone to Dumbledore and asked if Harry could come to the borough right away. But Dumbledore says, no, he needs to go to the Dursleys first. And Harry's just sort of found that he's only really comfortable around um Hermione Ron and Hagrid and Hagrid tells him that he's not okay but he will be and he also mentions that they have a secret mission about Voldemort over the summer um the end of the year feast is not the celebration that it normally is out of respect for Cedric Cedric Harry spends some time contemplating what it was Snape um was asked to do by Dumbledore and and like we said he kind of figures that it's something to do with the spy that he was before 
So as we're wrapping up, Dumbledore does a toast for Cedric and explains that he was murdered by Lord Voldemort um, and sort of shocks the crowd a little bit there. Then we get some goodbyes. Fleur comes to say goodbye to Harry. Crumbs comes to say goodbye to Hermione. And Ron finally asks Crumb for his autograph in a little bit of levity that we haven't seen yeah, for a little bit in the book here. Hermione then explains that she has caught Rita in the jar and that she is an unlicensed animagus. Malfoy then drops by and uh, their train compartment and is a bit of an ass telling Harry that he's picked the wrong side. Um, then Malfoy and Crabbe and Goyle get stunned like multiple times. Uh, you get a good couple curses that are not meant to interact interacting sort of knocking those three out. The twins had joined the party there and they reveal that they had actually been blackmailing Ludo Bagman because um, he paid them with Irish gold, which we had revealed early on if you were paying close attention. Harry ends up giving the twins the winnings from the tournament on the condition that they start the joke shop and they buy Ron some new dress shoes. Red dress robes, robes. sorry, not dress shoes. Maybe some dress shoes. Maybe they would go with them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's it. That is that's the it. book. It end, yeah, it ends with a real win for Fred and George. Fred and George, more money than they've ever seen. Yeah, But essentially, this chapter is just a way to kind of tie up some of the loose ends that weren't yeah. answered in the previous chapter. So, you know, we learn that Dumbledore is kind of conveying a, a theme throughout the book as he talks to the kids in the Great Hall that they're better united as Voldemort and stronger and Voldemort is stronger without unity. We get the Rita Skeeter reveal. We get the Final. Ludo Bagman gambling addiction reveal. Uh, yeah. Something we talked about. I guess, any thoughts on those? I mean, the Ludo one, I don't really see it being particularly vital. And I think he was used as a red herring a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. We knew that something was up with him with the goblins and stuff. And it turns out, yeah, he has a gambling product problem and that he bet on Harry to win, but the goblins didn't count it because he didn't win outright. Um, so not much on the Ludo one. The reader, the reader reveal is, is a fun one to read. I enjoy it. We get, we get um, the play-by-play -play of, if there was a beetle when, when she learned this, there was a beetle when she learned that. Um, and so that was kind of good to see. Because, yeah, at this point, I think you kind of forget about Rita a little bit with everything that just went on. So now it's nice. You get that little tie up. But otherwise, we're just sort of closing things up. And I think what you mentioned there is the real key here is Dumbledore's trying to tell them they need to stay united. And what we're going to see in a lot in the next book is there's not a lot of unity mm -hmm. going forward. Yeah, we see a lot of that. We're going to see Harry become a little more aggravated i think and kind of reading this now i'm like oh yeah it makes sense why he's actually a little aggravated in the upcoming books but uh we'll go through that um i'd say we just go to things that we forgot i agree uh the only real thing here is that molly wanted harry to go to the borough right away and dumbledore makes him go to the dursleys and that's important but we don't know why and it does seem yeah. a little odd um but i'd forgotten that she had even invited him that 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 like she had invited him to the point where not only not only does he just go to the dress he's like there was an option for him not to and we didn't mm -hmm. know about it so. yeah yeah that's that's played on a little bit later on as well about the importance of him essentially having a home but uh 
yeah other than that like again little tiny well one tiny thing i forgot and then one actually probably major thing that i should have realized was the case but um just that in beetle form rita skeeter has the same pattern around her eyes as what her glasses were which i thought was kind of interesting uh and then this one i probably should have remembered but I just forgot that Harry gave his Triwizard Cup winnings <laughs> to Fred and George. Like, yeah, I forgot the literal ending of the book. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of important, but not not critical. Not critical to any future plots, really. No, um, no. Well, except for the whole him building, them building an entire joke wizard empire off of it. It's correct. That's correct. Uh, anything that, that didn't really make sense to you? Can nitpick, but like, why are the Durmstrangs still there if Karkaroff left? Although it's then revealed that it was actually all the students who drove the boat and Karkaroff did nothing. Hold on, hold on. I assume they had to stay because they had to finish the school year because they were learning. Like they were in the classes. I guess so. Yeah. I guess in that sense, it makes sense. I just kind of thought like, oh, tournament's over. Get the hell out of here. Especially no, after they, that ending. That would have been still a... did they still needed to finish the school. So if you wanted to say why did the school year not just immediately end that that I could get on board with, but I guess they had to finish the school year. And then the other thing is like, I don't care if you're a good guy or a bad guy, it doesn't matter who you do it. If you're just a group of kids who leave another group of kids unconscious on the floor with no adult interruption or mediation, I think that's just terrible. But well, I mean, they'll Alas. get they'll, they'll get cuffed. Someone will find them on the train. It's not like they're in a in a forest or anything. <laughs> Someone will come across them. The, the trolley lady will come across them. The only thing that didn't make sense to me is why does Ron need dress robes? They're not having another Triwizard Cup, so there's no more chance for a Yule Ball. I, I guess I picture it like, oh, next time he's at a fancy occasion and he I needs guess so. them. I'm sure he'll need it, them in the future. I Although he probably true. hasn't stopped growing yet. Well, that's think, what I was thinking. Yeah. So, and we know that they, uh, you know, they don't have school dances because why would they? It's a school of teenagers. So, um, yeah, the only other thing I really have from this chapter is you'd think Malfoy would want to play it a little bit more cool than basically just coming out right and cheering for Team Voldemort, but yeah, maybe not. I think it, it, Again, it's kind of showing that huge shift in that it's probably okay to root for him or be on his side now that it's confirmed, basically, that he's, well, confirmed through Harry anyway, that he's on the rise again. Um, you know what we didn't talk about last chapter, actually, was Harry lists a bunch of the Death Eaters. Yes. But just says, no, they're not Death Eaters. He says, you just read the report from 13 years ago. And then what I found particularly interesting is like Lucius Malfoy. No, he's paid his debts. He's donated to many good projects or whatever. So <laughs> clearly it helps to have money, right? Yeah. And one of the other ones is part of the ministry now too. It's like, you don't even want to, and this is what we talked about a lot there with Fudge was just like, you don't even want to investigate them. Yeah. You don't want to put someone on them. Maybe, maybe play a closer. I know. I don't, I don't want to think about what, because what if we're wrong? So it's tough. Anything else on the final chapter of the book before we move forward? Bold move by Dumbledore just to reveal to all the students that Voldemort is back. I mean, we know that he has to get ahead of the ministry. We know he has to kind of control his narrative and get the word out there. So he's telling them that even though he knows the ministry will hate that. And then also some of the students are going to hate that. We see how some of the Slytherins react like 
Crab and Goyle and Malfoy particularly because their families are directly involved. But yeah, I don't know. Just a bold message to be uh, portraying or giving out. Agreed. Uh, what quote did you take down from this chapter? Talked about it a few times about how um, when you have to make a choice between something that is easy and something that is good, they are not necessarily the same thing. So this is in part of Dumbledore's address to the kids. He says, yep. remember, if the time should come when you have to make a choice of what is right and what is easy, remember what happened to a boy who was good and kind and brave because he strayed across the path of Lord Voldemort. Remember Cedric Diggory. Yeah, it's a good one. My quote is from the conversation between Hagrid and Harry. And Hagrid asks Harry if he's okay. And Harry says he is. And, and Hagrid, and the quote is, no, you're not, said Hagrid. Of course you're not, but you will be. And I just thought, you know, that's some pretty good uh, adult-friendly advice from Hagrid there to realize there's no way you're possibly okay, but to let him know you will eventually move past this. So Yeah, that, and he actually, I am... I'll talk about it later on because it was actually I saved it for a book ending quote, but he has a lot some other good advice within that that uh, topic as well of basically being or that chat as well, just being like whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and we're going to face it when we do. And I yeah. yes, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, LVP Malfoy. Yeah, I went with Draco. He just you know played a little bit more cool. Yeah, and then. For MVP, there there were a few like small candidates that ultimately should get some props. I mean, to me, Hagrid had a really nice heart to heart and he yeah, handled like Harry that. in the correct way to help him kind of even chuckle and feel normal again. Um, Harry for gifting his winnings to Fred and George, which is a very like unselfish thing to do and was very yeah, nice. He kept them. He could have, even though I know he didn't want it. Um, and then, but I'm going with Hermione this chapter because she caught Rita. Not only did she catch Rita, but she had had her and kind of known this for and known what had been going on for days because for there was for a month and she waited for the right moment to tell people. She didn't try and turn like Harry's thing into yeah. something about her. Like she was patient and kind of revealing this information as well, which I actually think shows a little growth in her character because usually she's very quick to want to be able to show off her, her knowledge. So I, I really like that. I mean, I'm going to go with Hermione too, but let's not um, sugarcoat this. She has kidnapped Rita Skeeter. <laughs> she has held her hostage for a month in a jar that is unbreakable. I guess there's some air in there, but, you know, well-deserved by Rita Skeeter? Sure. But no one's looking for her? I mean, no one looked for Bertha Jorkin, so maybe we don't. Maybe it's we don't true that people in the It's ministry. true. There's nothing in the Daily Prophet about where's Rita Skeeter. So yeah. you're right. Just a little bit of minor um, kidnapping. Just some minor kidnapping. And that is the book. We did um, it. One so, thing that we should do, we didn't talk about saddest deaths last chapter because I think Barty Crouch Jr. should be mentioned in there. He's not dead, though. Kiss of death. That's worse no, than you, death. You, you live without a soul. You're basically mine. Things. I mean, I, I mean, I yeah, let's let's throw him up there. But he's going to be... I still put him at seven beneath yeah, he's Coral. At the, he's at the bottom. Because um, we don't care. I'll make a note here. Barty... Crouch, kiss of death. Oh, All right. So previously already at seven was Barty Crouch Sr. Um, oh, right. We forgot about Sr. 
well, we listed him at the end there. We weren't weren't sad at all. Um, although maybe, hold on, let's let's think about this. This is a good as good a time as any here. So Diggory went number one, but Barty Crouch Sr. died. And is that so I I don't think he's gonna go much higher in the list than seven for the listeners who can't read the list that we're both looking at. Our current list is Cedric Diggory, Buckbeak from when Buckbeak died before time was undone, Frank Bryce, Bertha Jorkins, Nicholas and Paranel Flamel, Quirrell, and then we had Barty Crouch Sr. at seven. But I think his death is more sad than Quirrell's. I think uh, so too. Because he got murdered by his son. I'd say it's even, I think it's higher, to be honest with you. Like, go higher? Yeah, like Nicholas Flamel, he lived a long and happy life. He, he ultimately came to terms with death and it All wasn't right. ended unexpectedly. I'd put it up there with Bertha. Yeah, I'm not willing to go higher than Bertha Jorkins because all she did to get murdered was have Barty Kirsch Sr. ruin her memory because she happened to on his house for his yeah. own mistakes. So I'm not willing to go higher than that. That's okay, fair. So new list, one through eight. Number eight, Barty Kirsch Jr. Number seven, Quirrell. Number eight, the Flamels. No, I'm reading backwards. Number six, the Flamels. Number five, Barty Kirsch Sr. Number four. Bertha Jorkins, number three, Frank Bryce, number two, Buckbeak, and number one, Cedric Diggory. Um, all right. So now Excellent. let's move on to sort of covering, doing some final thoughts on this book. This is a great book. It's my favorite. It's this my a, favorite. This is a great book. It's, it's like, it's, it's a little bit on the darker side, which we're going to dig, we're going to dive into, but there's still some like nice playful aspects that I feel like we don't necessarily get going forward as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, the number one thing that I really like about this book is there are so many misdirects and so many things that just sort of keep coming back in foreshadowing. Like on this reread, I was so painfully aware of every time they mentioned Bertha Jorkins. And mm-hmm. she doesn't really matter, but she does matter. And and so a lot of that stuff um, and how everything ties up, like with with Rita and both with both with with Moody slash Barty Jr. Like I just thought this was so interesting to read, knowing what happens and just seeing all the clues laid out. Mm-hmm. Um and just uh, how much callback you get to earlier in the book, even with like Frank Bryce at the very first chapter, um, and Winky playing a part, even though she sort of is there at the big World Cup and then she disappears and then she's mm-hmm. back and then she's there for the reveal. So I just like really the misdirects and the callbacks and, and the foreshadowing of this book are, I find really, really good. Everything like even down to like Hagrid upturning dirt for a Niffler contest for his class. And then that same dirt being used to bury like Barty Crouch senior, right? Like every mm-hmm. little thing seems to have a bit of a bit of an impact or plays some kind of role in the book, which I just love. And I, I love the transition in this book i mentioned it before where we kind of go from like a every book kind of seems like one off you can tie it up up nicely after and then it's a new adventure that awaits the next year but this time around like you are seeing more of the bigotry i guess maybe in the wizarding world voldemort coming back to power and how that now is going to really transition and become the theme of the book over the next three yeah. that we read i guess we talked about it a bit earlier like there's a cliffhanger to this book we haven't mm-hmm. had that before everything's wrapped up nicely and then there's a cliffhanger yeah it's sort of it's like 
could have just ended after some of these other books, but no, not here, not now. So yeah. the, I don't know. Um, it's just good. It's just really, really fun to read. It's, and it was the pace for me, like right at the about, end as well. I was just about to say the pacing of this book was also really good because it just, it. I feel like for like eight chapters in a row, we're like, oh, we're building, we're building, we're building. And we built for a really long time. And then a rapid resolution, which was kind of nice versus a drawn out resolution on some mm-hmm. of these things. And like, what got drawn out? Well, how the whole Rita thing. And we'd forgotten about it. And then it was fun to actually think back. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I guess we have, I guess I, she was doing this stuff. Like, so. Mm-hmm. Like the prisoner of Azkaban was one of my favorites because like you get that redirect or kind of that unexpected result and Sirius and Lupin coming together and befriending each other. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And then it kind of ends, but the goblet of fire is like that feeling amplified because you get the reveal of Mad-Eye Moody then you realize what Barty Crouch is up to then you get realize what Voldemort was up to yeah. and how that's all connected yeah. like so, there's just there's so much so I mean that's a great that's a great transition spot because my favorite part of this book is the reveal so it starts out with like it's that whole chapter um uh the chapter name is that's the Veritaserum chapter yes chapter 35 um he starts out barty jr's just gloating he's just gloating and he does a little bit too much villain gloating and then he gets caught because of it and then they give him the truth serum and he just lays out everything and the first time you read it you're just like whoa i didn't know all this stuff obviously mm-hmm. and it but, I, but so many things make sense now um and it's just really and when you have read it and you're like you're waiting to get to it to be like did we catch everything like it's that's that's me that's my favorite part of this book yeah i we just talked about it but the entire parting of ways chapter with fudge and the ministry kind of separating and him refusing to believe voldemort and dumbledore and harry becoming public enemy number one i really loved that chapter i thought it was so good it's like we've at least is like 25 pages or something and sometimes i'm like oh man it's a long chapter but it flew by for me because it you just keep turning pages so i mean that was up there. I also liked the Voldemort revival scene because it was pretty badass. Um, and yeah. then the first task is really cool too. The first task is cool. On the flip side, there's nothing that I like didn't really like about this book. If I have to pick like one thing in particular, I just hate how dumb some of the rules of the Triwizard Tournament were. Like, and you could talk about it. We could talk about it in some of the bigger things that don't make sense. But like the fact that he just had to compete and you could just trick trick the goblet into accepting him, just sometimes that level of dumbness bothers me. But I, I don't know that, unlike some of the other books, nothing really bothered me. Yeah, or, I wouldn't. Or, or there's nothing. I had a hard time picking out a least favorite part of this book. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it like a least favorite part. It was maybe just the least impactful part to me, but like some of Hermione's spew agenda stuff, but it still plays a part in the greater series. So, I mean, it's setting it up, of course. And, that... and I remembered that almost being a bigger part of it. And because it's not, like it didn't it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, it's a couple chapters really, but that's about it. Um, biggest thing that you didn't remember from this book. So to me, like the the memory scene having three trials, mm-hmm. um, the Karkaroff trial and then the Ludo trial and then the Barty Crouch Jr. trial, because there's a lot of information in there. And I feel like 
because in the movie it's just one all we all i remember all i get out of the movie is karkaroff is a rat and he reveals barty crouch jr but that's not what happens Mm -hmm. um and so that was really fun to be very surprised about i kind of forgotten well i mean i forgot the ending where fred and george get the money but um in addition to that winky's role in the entire book i had kind of forgotten about her as a character didn't really put much thought into her but she plays such an important part to the plot even though it's not a big part but really helps kind of move things along and then really help confirm things at the end by hat with with barty coach jr in there so i kind of forgotten about her so that was kind of probably the biggest thing that i had forgotten about reading this yeah fair enough so we have uh, some favorite quotes here. So I went through all the quotes I had pulled in previous chapters. And I have one, two, three, I have four that really jumped out to me. I've so, got two. All right. So my the first one is from the very first chapter. And it's just very funny. This is Voldemort speaking. Wormtail, I need somebody with brains. Somebody whose loyalty has never wavered. And you, unfortunately, fulfill neither requirement. You, you don't really think about Voldemort as like a funny character, but that's kind of funny. Um, and then also from early on, from chapter eight, um, this is Ron about Crumb. And the important context here is that he had been just like blowing uh, smoke up Crumb's ass for like a while here. Yeah. And then he goes, he ended it when Ireland were 160 ahead. The idiot. <laughs> so... Um. I'll do a couple here and then you can cap us off. Sure. Um, Basically, I kind of had two quotes that were maybe more, I might not have mentioned them in previous episodes, but they're more overarching quotes in regards to kind of the theme of the book. The, this one coming from Dumbledore's talk to the kids at the very end saying dark and difficult times lie ahead. Soon we all must face the choice between what is right and what is easy. I mentioned that one earlier. And then this is the quote that I was alluding to earlier. It's uh, Hagrid's advice to Harry at the end of the book. No use worrying about it. What's coming will come and we'll meet it when it does. And like, it seems rather like lazy fair, but it's kind of true because we don't really control what's out there beyond our actions so we know or as the next characters they know that Voldemort's rising to power is now beyond their control and they'll they'll face it when they face it like I think a lot of people put so much emphasis on being a hero and reacting in the moment but sometimes when you're in those moments of panic and danger you just you simply react so you'll meet you'll meet it when it does basically and so I really liked that Similar on a similar line. This is serious on Barty Crouch Jr. If you want to know what a man's like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. And that's something we'll see again going forward with that's Voldemort. Like that's how you know. Yeah. And then we've talked about this one a whole bunch. And it's much longer. And when we covered it in the um in the episode, you you went and read the whole thing. But the end of it is, this is about the description of Dumbledore. There was a cold fury in every line of the ancient face. And it's the very first time we see Dumbledore described like this. And it's yeah. pretty impactful. Yeah, we see a lot of character development amongst him, amongst Hermione, Ron. We we see character development in a lot. everyone this, this book. Yeah. All right. What stood out to you as the biggest thing that does not make sense of this book? 
I couldn't pick just one thing, so I have two. To me, we might be the same. Um, it bugged me that everything was so loosely based on Harry needing to compete in this tournament because of a magical contract. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's baseless. It's stupid. It's yeah. it's not established what actually happens if he doesn't beyond. Right. Oh, he has to. Just, he just has to. to. It's the contract. Yeah. Um, so my was not that specific part of the Triwizard Cup, but mine are both also tied to the Triwizard Cup. So this just doesn't make sense as a sporting event when you cannot view what's happening. Like you just can't view it. So it doesn't make sense. We're going underwater. No one can see what's going on. No. This is a maze. Everyone piles into the stands, but no one can see what's going on. It just and then, doesn't then the sense. one that you can actually see, you're next to a dragon and probably an intimate danger yep what's stopping that dragon from just eating a spectator every every now and then i mean i guess they were attached to the ground but so but then to me the biggest the truly biggest thing that doesn't make sense is the whole triwizard cup as a plan to revive voldemort via kidnapping harry potter i have a better plan for you ready just kidnap harry potter go straight to the source yeah you got a hold of moody just ask him to stay after time. Just ask him to stay after class and then transfigure him into some sort of animal, put him in a cage, tell him I just caught this animal, I'm gonna take it out to the forest. Boom, get to the forest, get off school grounds, apparate, get out of there. You don't have to Done. come back. Nope. And Harry so, Potter's gone. Harry Potter's taken care of at that point, too. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. Um, the only other thing that I added is just, and it's minor because I don't really think we have a Harry looking at the Marauders map much this this chapter or this book. Well, but he like, loses the map halfway yeah. through the book, which was helpful because if when he it, hadn't lost the map, it would have been another that that plot. It, it needed to be covered, so it was covered. But he still had it for a bit. He never noticed that there was just a Barty Crouch running around or a mad-eye moody that was just stuck in the office constantly without moving so something that probably could have happened but didn't he didn't get the map back so i'm I'm interested to see if he does yeah i don't quite know i think he but he he must because it comes into play for sure in book seven so we'll see if he see if what that gets explained all right it is the moment that we have all been waiting for (laughs) <laughs> who are the most and least valuable players do you have any guesses on least valuable least draco malfoy will be a candidate uh fudge will be a candidate and i think ron might be up there as a candidate as well uh yeah so there are uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven characters who finish with negative MVP points here. Okay. Um, we have three with five, minus five points. That's Dudley Dursley, Peeves, and Aragog. Nope, not Aragog. Peeves, Dudley Dursley, and Arthur Weasley. Sorry. Oh, Aragog Arthur. Was just, poor, Aragog poor Arthur. Was, was just on the list from last book. Then Vernon Dursley has minus 10. So on the same chapter, I think we both docked Vernon there. Peter Pettigrew at minus 15. And Percy Weasley at minus 15. Okay. Then we have five characters. Three of them have minus 20. Two have minus 25. So, so we minus, have a tie. 
Yes, at minus 20, we have Fudge, who you mentioned. Yeah. Ron Weasley, who you mentioned. <laughs> and Snape. Ron at least did have some positive votes. Fudge and Snape did not. Did not, yeah. You are right in one of the least valuable characters being Malfoy. Malfoy, minus 25 points, no positive. No, yeah. But you will not believe who is tied for least valuable when I tell you that the least valuable character in this book is Harry Potter. <laughs> um, so Harry. Good for, you. Good for you, Harry. Total minus 25. But he actually led the led the book in um, total negative points. With six times we named him. No, 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 no. Because you have five points. 12 times we named him least valuable. You um, go, Harry Potter. Wow. You did it five and I did it seven. He, that's the thing. When you're featured every single chapter, basically, you yep. are either going one way or the other. But that's incredible. I didn't think it would be that low. And then obviously he gets canceled because he's MVP uh, yeah. seven times as well. Yeah. So the other person who received the most uh, LVP votes was Ron. He had yeah. six. Yeah, Ron, I figured, would be up there, just given his whole jealousy that he had kind of been working through this entire book. Yeah, so, so I mean, those are LVPs, the, the real LVP, Harry Potter. Not, who knew? Not what you'd expect. So if we flip that, uh, well, let's, uh, let's stick on LVP again for a sec. My biggest LVP, I assume, is going to be Harry. Yep, seven times I gave Harry, and then a bunch of people I hit twice. Your biggest LVP, also Harry, you hit him five, and you hit Ron four times. Okay. And then a couple people, three and two. Um, but that's it. So if we flip things around, and now we go MVP, who do you think is the MVP of the book? Dumbledore will be up there yeah um Hermione as well I think those are the two that really stand out to me right so we have one two three four five six seven eight people finish in the net positive uh Frank Bryce received one MVP vote go Frank um Voldemort finishes in the positive wow yeah, he finishes plus two on MVP voting versus LVP, which means we gave him MVP five times and LVP only three. Um, Dobby. Oh, I forgot Barty Crouch votes. Jr. Barty Crouch Jr. is going to be up there. Barty Crouch Jr. is not on my list. Oh, interesting. We might have to redo this whole section. <laughs> We're going to have to redo the whole section. Okay. Threw right. a wrench in your plan. All right. That's okay. We'll just go again. Uh, I'll, I'll attack it a little differently this time. All right. So that moment that we're all been waiting for, we'll start, we'll start LVP. So we'll start with your personal LVP. Um, the person you awarded 
LVP2 the most times with five LVP votes from Kyle. Everyone would guess this for sure. It won't surprise anyone. Uh, Harry Potter is Kyle's least least valuable player. Um, Coincidentally, also mine. (laughs) Harry Potter not definitely leading the way on LVP votes this time. Um, You named him LVP five times. I named him LVP seven times. Holy smokes. However, he's not alone at the top of the leaderboard. Um, when we when we total up everything, he has a tie with Draco Malfoy. Um, they both end up negative five on the MVP LVP scale. That's to be expected. Uh, the difference being, of course, the seven LVP votes for Harry puts him over the edge. Draco had five negatives with no positives. Some other noteworthy LVPs. Uh, Ron Weasley. Fudge and Snape were all right there. They were at minus 20 points. So okay. just one LVP vote back of, of being tied with Harry and Draco. A couple other people finished in the negative. Uh, a couple of Weasleys, Arthur and Percy, Peter Pettigrew. Rita Skeeter, surprisingly, only three LVP votes. I feel like that's probably because every time she did something bad, something worse happened in those chapters. She did get away with a little bit, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Two LVP votes for Ludo, two LVP votes for Krum, two LVP votes for Karkaroff. And the Dursley is obviously not great. Um, yeah, like I said, your LVP is Harry. You were definitely Harry and Ron were getting most of yours. For me, looks like it was Harry. And then I kind of had a bunch spread out across the board, a couple ones and twos across um you were very equitable in your in your process yeah across it looks like 20 different people i gave lvp votes to across the board there so that's that's the lvp side if we switch to the mvp side again i'll start with with your scoring we have different mvps um against uh between us so that's kind of fun so your mvp is albus dumbledore yeah, that makes who, sense. Who you gave MVP to six times. Okay. Whereas I only gave him MVP five times. Uh, my MVP is actually Hermione, who I gave MVP six times, and you only gave her four times. Okay, that However, also makes sense. the total book MVP is Dumbledore. Um, he has only one LVP vote. Hermione ended up having four LVP votes. So Hermione actually finishes in third. So we have Dumbledore in first, Hermione in third. Any guesses who's second? I feel like we got to have Barty Crouch Jr. in this spot, which is kind of funny. But we were giving him some praise just because while the plan was convoluted, his plan was working really well. Yes. However, Barty Crouch Jr. actually in a tie for fifth. Okay. So Barty Crouch Jr. did have, um, if we do just MVP votes, he stays actually in fifth. So in terms of just MVP votes, Dumbledore is in the most MVP votes. Hermione was second. In third place and in second overall when you factor in the LVPs is actually Sirius Black, who we both awarded MVP four times. That's wild. I wouldn't Um, have guessed that. I guess 
those were in a lot of chapters where there wasn't a lot else going on and he was just the adult in the room Sirius sent a letter um, yeah <laughs> so i mean that's just how the math works out harry potter seven mvp votes makes sense he did some good stuff and there's barty crouch with six mvp votes however also has three lvp votes because he gets a little careless at the end yeah so um he ends up in fifth place in mvp standings behind dumbledore Sirius black hermione and one other person this person received four mvp votes no lvp votes any guesses lay it on me i don't know well because you wouldn't let me give him an lvp vote for getting murdered it is cedric diggory <laughs> so he deserves it interesting stuff here not way more people finished in the negative and finished in the positive here um the Weasley twins uh, ended up tied with Barty with with net, net positive three. So did Dobie. So did Ginny Weasley. Oh yeah, because she had that one chapter that she appeared in. She had she had the and was so, good. <laughs> so you gave it to her once, and I gave it to her once. I think it was the same chapter when she told the boys off for being assholes about the I, dance. That's literally the only chapter I think she's in this book. <laughs> well, she must have been in another one because I gave her another one some other time. Um, I'll look that up in this. Oh, well, I can look it up right now. Uh, in one of the burrow chapters okay so earlier on at the beginning that makes sense that's Um, hilarious voldemort ends up positive um with five mvp votes against three lvp votes which is pretty surprising frank bryce got an mvp vote (laughs) and maybe the most random mvp vote the bulgarian minister uh we were stretching for something that chapter we were so so there it is your your mvps and lvps of this book um dumbledore sirius and hermione and the lvps being of course harry draco and then ron fudge snape so we did a little bit a little bit of a a little bit of a shocker i thought i think going into this book i thought that barty crouch jr would run away with mvp it felt and like that for a while, especially when it was going so well for him. And I thought maybe Ron would run away with LVP, but he he came back a little bit at the end there. And Harry just, some some of those things were through no fault of his own, but he was just, he's the only person in the book in some of those chapters and you got to pick somebody. So Well, yeah, that's exactly it. And sometimes that works for him and sometimes it doesn't, but it's showing he's a character that kind of has some positive and negative qualities to him. Everybody's a little nuanced. You can't just be perfect all the time despite yeah. what he wants so yeah yeah that's i mean it. seven seven mvp votes is pretty good but that's very good i mean but dumbledore, dumbledore with dumbledore with 11 it's just he was good this this book just a lot he was a solid. lot at the a lot at the end i mean if i'm looking at the end here he picked up probably straight through he picked up four votes in the last three chapters and then yeah, just just a lot of Dumbledore. He was he was really good here. Um, I like that Harry's least valuable. That's a fun. It's a fun way to end off the book. Um, be better, will, Harry. Be better. We will not be back next week with an episode, barring some sort of miracle, because we're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, do you digest this one before we get into? Book number five, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix will be up next. But before we get into that, it's movie time. We'll be back. We'll watch a movie. 
we'll find some friends, we'll talk about it. Um, I would say look for that in the coming month, but Probably. we're going to take a little bit of time because we got some some stuff to get done outside of the podcast. But amazingly, we don't get paid for this, so <laughs> we have other uh, other things that we have to do to rely on on income. <laughs> but if you want to keep up to date on when we are releasing episodes, follow us on Instagram at Harry Potter Reread Podcast. We always post a, a little reel or a story whenever we have something new coming out there, so you can stay up to date there. Yeah, there's some there's some Harry Potter Lego that I'm looking at that needs to get built. So maybe when that gets done, we'll we'll throw it up there as well to yes keep you. Uh, invested if there's anything you want us to talk about about this book about this movie you know you can send us a instagram message and we'll um we'll go through it as well if there's anything you guys want us to to highlight otherwise i don't know we'll catch you when we catch you we'll catch you it'll be good i'm david that was kyle bye